In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as the Argos suffer a pretty crushing loss to the Calgary Stampeders. 22-19 the final, a game in which Toronto just needed seven points in the second half to pull this one out, and they got three. JB, we said in our pre uh, pre-game podcast that the Argos couldn't afford to give Calgary any points, and if they could do that... They had a really good chance of winning the game. No special teams touchdowns, no defensive touchdowns. And what happened today, a pick six, and that was more than the difference in this game. Yeah, it was a game there, you know, not to belabor it, but it was there to be won, uh, which I guess is encouraging that they weren't, you know, blown out by a middle-of-the-table team. Um, but uh, there definitely should not have been this close. Um, the problem was they they dominated the first half, but didn't have the points to show for it. They they dominated the first half in almost every possible way, but it was sixteen ten at halftime, yeah. and it just felt like that wasn't going to yeah, be you, enough. You have to you have to score touchdowns, not field goals, um, to to put a team away like Calgary, who are you know very good offensively, and you're probably not going to keep off the board the whole game. You have got to convert. You know, at, at least one of those red zone chances into a touchdown. It kept Calgary in the game and, uh, you know, they stole it at the wire. What's the answer in the red zone? Because, like, we're, we're both sitting there. We've got a great vantage point of the field. When we got in the red zone, I'm watching so carefully to see where mistakes are made because it's something that the Argos have struggled with as a team all season. And I just don't see any open receivers. There's nobody there. There's nothing. And the answer is clearly not running in the red zone because that's even worse. I just don't know what the answers are really at this point. It, the red zone magnifies your flaws. So from an Argo perspective, the fact that they just can't run the ball at will is really you know, uh, gutting in the red zone because teams just don't play the run at all. And the fact that they don't necessarily have great man-beating receivers, it's kind of a deadly combination where, you know, you're looking at it and you think, there's just nothing there. I mean, they're going to have to, you know, look, like any problem in football, you're going to have to try and come up with a solution. You can't just bang your head against it. They, they did better on the short yardage, which we'll talk about. So I think, you know, whether you look at stacks or, or bunch receivers or more rub routes, um, you, you're going to need to get more creative than there because just dropping back and looking for a receiver is not working and is costing you football games. So that, that's really, I think, what has to be cooked up in the lab is how are we going to trick our way into the end zone? You're not going to be able to do it in a kind of powerful, impressive way. You're going to have to kind of backdoor trick your way into the end zone. So that that's what they need to cook up because they can't push their way in and they can't throw their way in. And that doesn't leave you a lot of ways in. So, you know, I think you have to get in the offensive lab and, uh, you know, figure out what you have and how you can how you can find a way to make that work. I'm surprised we haven't seen more of what you talked about, like bunch plays. We've seen a few things, but it's so rare this season I've seen to have seen any any bunch or, or we haven't seen any stack receivers. And, and that's something that is tough to defend in, man, because it is man coverage is the problem. The Argos don't have a way to beat man coverage and they really haven't much of this season. It, it was a little different, like a healthy Eric Rogers changes that a little bit but they they right now anytime a team goes into man coverage which is what always happens in the red zone where today we saw cover one and we saw man two and there's just no answer for it because like you said there's there's no fear that the argos are going to suddenly run the ball um and receivers are absolutely blanketed so you end up taking sacks you end up having to check down and throw underneath it's it's sad today when you look at at the receiving numbers the box score A.J. Wallette is your leading receiver in both receptions, 
attempts and yards. And it's because nobody else was open. He's he's the check down. He's the last result. And McLeod backs up and, and he's going through his progressions. And, he, you know, where, where's Devaris? Covered. Where's Curley? Covered. Where's Ambles? Covered. Check down to Wallette. And it just happened again and again and again. And I know there were some other plays. There are some other issues, like the fact that they lost their only fullback on the roster in the first drive of the game. That completely disrupts your run game because there we don't know exactly how the plays for this week, the packages for this week were drawn up, but there's a pretty good chance a lot of the run game was going to be dependent on having a tight end in the game. And now suddenly you had uh, Juwan Breskison was sort of lining up as as the tight end um, instead. And that's not really his position. It's not really what he's been practicing all week either. So it just wasn't an ideal scenario. There was really very little that went right luck-wise for the Argos. They In the second half, they ran into what we were concerned about, which is once a team essentially knows your playbook and knows that you are passing, it becomes incredibly challenging to move the ball successfully because the D linemen are shot out of a cannon. They're coming around. They're not waiting. They're not looking for a screen. They're just ripping and roaring, um, looking for the sack. Pocket collapses really quickly. DBs man coverage because you know... With that pocket collapsing, you only need to basically stick with your guy for two seconds, um, two and a half seconds, so you're able to do that. It, It's, yeah, I mean, it's the kind of problem that usually you can only solve with a superstar, to be honest. When, you know, when you play sports, it's, you know, if, when, when faced with a problem like this, unless you have a star... Uh, it can be really hard to scheme your way out of it because, uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, there's just, there's just not many options. I mean, I've been a football fan for a long time and I've had lots of teams I've cheered for kind of grind down like this offensively. And it's really hard to, you know, not to be too dark, but it is hard to find your way out of it. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't envy their plan because unless you suddenly inject um, a different talent or somebody who is going to stretch the field widthwise and is going to force teams to to respect the run a little bit more, um, it's it's going to be hard for them to move the ball because the book is out now. Hamilton did it. Calgary did it. That's that's football. Now you have to be able to adapt to the league or the league is going to, you know, force feed you your breakfast. And to me, it comes back to offensive line. I think a change needs to be made at this point. The pass protection was okay, but not good today. It was, it was fine most of the time, but uh, you know, still, and even at the end of the game there, there's a uh, uh, lemon ends up getting around the outside, basically untouched causes a sack fumble and you know that ends the football game and those plays happen too with too much frequency today but the bigger problem isn't in pass protection it's that run blocking there were nine rushing attempts from the argos today nine plays where they actively were trying to rush the ball these don't include the quarterback sneaks or mcleod bethel thompson's six yard scramble nine carries from running backs six to aj wallet for 18 yards averaging three yards a carry exactly and three rushes from Javon Leak for nine yards which averaged three yards a carry and that's why you're not seeing runs called in the second half because they could only average three yards a carry on on a run so you you don't you can't run on first down because on first down you know you're going to get about three yards and now it's second and seven and that's not a situation you want to be in and so you pass on first down and now on second down it's 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 second and ten and you can't run again uh, and it's just a it's it's a huge problem. And even when it was like second and three and second and four, you're not even sure you can run in those situations either because those got stuffed today too. I, I think it's I think it's now time where a change needs to be made on the offensive line to rescue to resuscitate the run game because I don't put this on Wallet and Leak. I thought they actually had kind of a nice combo together, and unfortunately, they were showcased way more as receivers than they were as as ball carriers because that was where they were open but you could see in the open field the damage that they can do they're both great with the ball in their hands 
but they got absolutely no blocking at all today. No, I don't blame them either. And and in tr- they're not supposed to be load-bearing walls. I think it's unfair just to be like, okay, well, Harris is out. Let you become a Canadian All-Star. Like, it's not it's not how it works. You know, he's a good player, and I thought he played well tonight. And I think he is a good player for them moving forward. But is he a lead back? N- no, he's he he's not a lead back, and and that's a problem. And and neither is Leak. I thought Leak looked great returning. Um, but you know, does he have the Jets to be? You know, a game-changing running back. You know, I, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that's who he is. Um, you know, look, they're still in first, and they are still a team that has an elite defense, and they still haven't had, you know, full health in the wide receiver room. I, I, you know, I, 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 I do think they are. Um. You know, I, I think they're a little bereft of playmakers. You know, in Speedy Banks, you look in the Speedy Banks, right? I mean, that's not, that's at this stage in his career, that's not really who you should be looking to. So I do think that. I think the team is a little bereft of playmakers, guys who can go out there and, um, you know, beat man coverage, beat their guy, make, you know, catch a ball, put up some yak, um, just sort of take the team and, and, and give it a boost. That that's definitely going to be an issue. So I mean, it's going to be um, a big challenge for them to scheme it up. But it can be, you know. I th- I think it can be. Well, we're going to see if it can be. But they're definitely going to need to try and scheme it up. I don't think just lining up and you know going mano a mano, that just doesn't work. They don't have the line. They don't have the receivers. Um, they, they they can't do that. They're going to need to start being. Um, a little more adventurous, more trick plays, more reverses, you know. And the crowd, you know, I I thought was too bad tonight because it's a pretty lively crowd. Uh, X night, gorgeous night downtown, nice and warm wind. Um, pretty loud, I thought, pretty lively. But, you know, some of the boos I thought were just really tough because, you know, they were winning the game and they were playing Calgary, who's a very good team. And they're having a hard time moving the ball. I I just thought the booze didn't didn't really make sense because you know look what do you, you know there, there's nothing there. There was nothing there to be thrown to. Ball was snapped. Everybody was covered. Pocket collapsed. Happened. You know, basically the entire second half. You mentioned the Canadian All Star replacing him. Do you think it's weird that they didn't have any carries by their Canadian back in in Adebayo? Like they they basically not. I don't think it's weird that they made the position American today in going with Wallet and and Leak. But I did think it was weird that they didn't have a single look for Adebayo. I thought this would have been a good opportunity to to see what he had. Do you think? Do you think that's a hesitancy? Because as a rookie, you're not sure if he's ready in terms of pass protection or or it's just that they they only had nine rushes. And so that's just how they got distributed. Yeah, that's a great question. It's, it's, it's always hard to tell what is the mindset of the coach. Of uh, Traditionally, rookie running backs don't get a lot of play. Um, they're not great at, at protecting the quarterback. Um, so they, they tend not to get on the field and they you know, it's a physical game. Um, it can, you know, it's a lot of times coaches don't want a rookie in there because with the running back, you're just expecting them to, to be a little, a little more guile to your game, you know, um, in terms of being experienced, but. Uh, it, it is a question worth asking, like, is, is, is there nothing there? Because uh, you know the job, the, the, it is a job vacancy. Uh, maybe they don't want to put him in because they feel like, well, I, you know, th- this is not going to work, and all it's going to do is crush the kid. And so maybe, maybe that's the thought. You know, like this is not the line for a rookie running back, and they're probably not wrong if that's their thought. Yeah, it's and it's not something like like it's not like you're seeing all the rookies get a ton of playing time. McKellar was forced into it, and he had to uh, do do the job because they're 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 so short. But you know, you're not you're not seeing like a ton of 
snaps for Deontay Knight, for example. And it's the same sort of thing, but it's it's quite dangerous with a rookie running back. Because even though when you watch Daniel Adebayo's film at Bryant, his his pass protection is good. Um, he's he's a really well-rounded running back. I think he does everything very well. But it's a whole different league and level at this stage. And I think I think part of what you're saying is right. Like you you got to be careful about how you treat any rookie. And it's the same. We've been talking about this with Chad Kelly. Like Chad Kelly is was great in college and he may be a great CFL quarterback, but it's the same thing. He's, he's a rookie right now. And so the reason you're not putting Chad Kelly in is the reason you're probably not putting out of a boy in. It's the reason you're only giving Knight a few snaps here and there, because you, there's a lot of learning and adjusting and adapting to the size and speed. And I think that will come. Yeah, it, but it's just it was interesting today. I just wondered if we might see more of out of a boy. I mean, maybe today. it, I, I, I do feel they probably think it's unfair to to for that to be the solution um and they're they're probably not wrong although i would love to see you know more two back sets maybe some misdirection back there um you know look just some different i think different looks are needed because the current look has been solved um so so when your look has been solved you need to have a new look i would be surprised well first of all they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to bring in some guys this week. Uh, they they currently don't have a healthy fullback on the roster, and we'll have to wait and see how the injury situation sorts itself out. But I don't expect anybody on the roster who is currently listed as a fullback to be ready to go next week. And so, I I think the starting fullback is going to be someone that they sign, or else they go with. They, they go without a fullback for next week, which is also possible. But it just speaks to one of the problems where week after week, McLeod's got different skill positions. And, you know, again, this week, you had suddenly Demonte Coxie is in there as your ex, who has never played a CFL game before. And now he's in the spot that typically gets the most targets on a CFL team. And it's a guy that has had one week of practice with the starters. Um, and then, and Javon Leak also is getting a ton of playing time and he's not a guy that he's been, he's been injured since basically the start of the season. And he's not a guy that's got a lot of chemistry with Bethel Thompson. And now you're maybe bringing in a yet another guy for next week, unless Cross can, can get himself healthy. But I, I, I don't really expect that for next week. So, um, it's just constantly moving pieces and Toronto's certainly not the only team to have injuries. Look at Calgary's receiving core that they've been all over the place. They've been missing their, their running back for the last few weeks, but it just feels like Toronto can't catch a break. Wouldn't it be amazing to send the same five receivers and running back out for two consecutive games and see what that looks like? Yeah. And for the, you know, the second week in a row, Toronto faced a backup quarterback who came in. And for whatever reason, the gods decided that the backup was going to be better than the starter. And that's frustrating because, you know, who are these guys who come in and suddenly like on, you know, are dancing on one foot and making pass completions while being tackled by four people? It, it was frustrating to to see. He wasn't quite on fire, but he definitely came in and moved the ball well. And, you know, that's frustrating, too, because you did a great job with the quarterback and your reward is some other guy who's way better and you're like ah that was you know that was frustrating you know but but not to be all down i mean calgary is a good team toronto had them had them right at the end take away one or two plays toronto probably wins this game by 10 um you know that starts to feel a little hollow as the season goes on, but they're still in first place. They still have the games against Hamilton. I think I don't I don't think the world is is caving in. The defense is still elite and the offense just has to fix <laughs> a pretty significant problem. Um, but you know, that you know that's that's the fun part of football, right? Go in the lab, cook it up. You only gotta trick them for a half. You know, you don't have to trick Hamilton for the whole game. You just need to be able to trick them for the second half. So, you know, go in, come up with some looks, come out in that second half, and uh, defense will keep you in the game. You come out and surprise Hamilton and, you know, and do, you know, do that magic trick as long as you can. And just to explain to people that aren't 
certain as to how coverage can be affected by not having to worry about a run game. So in zone coverage, for example, you're always facing the line of scrimmage and you can see what's happening. You can react to runs immediately. In man coverage, it's it's much more difficult to. In man coverage, you are not relying at all on your defensive backs to make tackles uh, in the backfield. And if a if a defender in man coverage is thinking in the back of their head, you know, if this is a run play, I got to break off this and, you know, I got to read my receiver and, and diagnose this as a run or pass right away, then they're not committing as much to the coverage as they otherwise should be. And they can they can get caught out. But when you're in a situation like this today where there was no fear of Toronto running the ball, DBs can just focus in entirely on their man coverage. No other worry. I'll let the linebackers, I'll let the... I'll let the linebackers go through their, their read steps. I'll let the defensive line do their job. I'm just going to cover this guy and make sure this guy doesn't catch the ball. It's so much easier for defensive backs. Yeah, and if you are not a star, it's really hard to get open. Really hard. I mean, those defensive backs are all fantastic athletes. And you need to be you know, an elite player. And, the, and you're probably only going to have one on your team. But that, that's the difference, right? You need to have somebody who is a star who can get off that man coverage and get open consistently. Because, you know, you look at the top five receivers in the league, you don't think teams have tried man defense against them? You know, like, they have. But it just doesn't work all the time. So that that's really the difference is, you know, if you look you look at the top five receivers – that's where Toronto's coming up a little bit short, I think. Let's go through some of the points that I wanted to get to. We won't go through every detail chronologically here because we've covered some of these things already, but there are some definite points. Starting with the opening kickoff uh, and a theme that ran throughout the game, I thought the the kickoff coverage was really good, even after it lost a couple key guys to that coverage team in, in Eli Menser and Enoch uh, Penilaye they still were were able to really hold Calgary's return game in check. And that's something we were pretty worried about coming into this game. But seeing Kassar on that opening kickoff come flying down there, uh, making tackles, you had Adebaboye in there with a, a couple of tackles. Uh, Menser and, and Penny Laye also, before getting injured, were all over the place. And this is without, this is without Josh Haggerty, who might be the the best on the team in terms of getting downfield and and making special teams plays. So I, I, I thought that unit, special teams in general today, I thought had an excellent game, but that the coverage unit especially was terrific today. Yeah, they they as as we thought they would. They bounced back. They 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 had been a solid unit. They they looked great today. They looked how they looked before. Um fast, violent, um aggressive tone setters. Uh, the kick return game with Leak was much better um, than it had been. I, I thought that the special teams played well enough to win that game for sure. Um, you, it just uh, it just is a, a little. I mean, again, that's another positive to take away in that you know two of the three units are playing at a very high level. So that's not bad. It means you you just have one fire to put out not five it's a big fire though like you said but yes it's, it's one yeah. we can concentrate all of it's our your all of our crews your house your house is on fire yes it's so it's important it's not like no. you know the the dog house no so uh another thing that i i thought was a positive just on top of the the defense in general but the the defensive backs played really well today and it didn't look like it was gonna start that way the very first play of the game for calgary was an 80 yard bomb to bain and just mcfadden got caught uh i I think just sort of like we all did it looked like it was going to be a sack the argos as they were many times today a millisecond away from a sack suddenly Bo Levi Mitchell is able to get that ball out to Bain. It's just a perfect ball right into his arms. McFadden is late, although credit to him, he ends up catching up, uh, catching Bain. Uh, and he was he was beat by like seven or eight yards. He caught up, made the tackle and held that to a field goal. So that was huge. And But how great is it? You know, we were talking to Deshaun Amos after the game about this, like the, the memory, a uh, short memory of a defensive back, because there's McFadden a few series later with an interception and making things right again. But it looked like it was going to be a rough day for the DBs. They were spectacular today. 
Yeah, it. You know, I know the. You could tell the offense felt terrible. They felt like they had let down their teammates, and that's one of those things that that can really weigh on a football player. You know, beyond just wanting to be effective or 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 you know worthy of a contract or what have you, is that kind of feeling of of letting down your brother. Um, yeah, I, you know, the DBs played great. They were all over Calgary. They turned the ball over a bunch of times. Um, you know, they they were almost there on sacks, but good pressure most of the game, right? There was very few clean pockets. Um, they, you know, they they did they did their job tonight, and I, you know, I think that still is a positive to take away um, from the game. It's just. Gee, you gotta you gotta win these games. That's that's two now. They're three really that they've given up at home um, because you know the the endless road trip is coming. I want to talk about those picks because all three picks were beautiful, and I really want to talk about Carnell's. But let's let's start with McFadden's pick. That it was just a fantastic athletic play for him to be able to not only secure the ball but actually get his feet in bounds as well. Uh, it was just a, it was an acrobatic display. It was great hand-eye coordination. The, the second one uh, by Carnell, the reason I, I love this pick was because most DBs, I think, don't make that play. So here's what's happening. Carnell's got deep coverage. He's got Bagleton running into his zone and, and it's a deep ball that's coming towards him. He's standing where he believes the ball is going to come down, but he's looking at Bagleton running towards him and he knows that he can attack Bagleton and break up that pass, but he was able to gauge in those you know few split seconds that Bagleton wasn't going to be able to get to the ball, that he was just going to be short of the ball. And so he held his ground instead of covering Bagleton, he held his ground, trusted his vision and Bagleton just missed it by about an inch. And Carnell's there for the interception. I thought that was tremendous trust in your ability to, to judge a football. He gauged it correctly. It was perfect. It was a beautiful pick. Yeah. They're, and then, they're, oh, sorry, go no, on. No, I was just going to say their, their deep ball coverage um, was good all night. You know, that those guys have great hands. And if you don't, if you don't make a perfect pass, uh, they're going to go get it. And the Amos one near the end of the game, like had this had this been a win for the Argos, if they were able to generate a touchdown drive in those last few minutes, there were so many winning plays from those DBs that the Amos pick, uh, he was talking about how he kind of, not not that he saw it coming, but he, he figured he was going to be attacked this way. He knew that they were probably going to send verticals at him at some point and um, he's basically playing the, you know, trying to play the balance in, in deep third. He's trying to play the balance between uh, the two different receivers running verticals. And he plays it well enough that he's able to close space and, and make a fantastic uh, catch for an interception. It was, it, was, it was such a beautifully timed leap, which you don't always see from defensive backs. You get excited. You know you've got a pick coming. There's so many guys that jump early on that. He timed it beautifully and, uh, and made what probably should have been a game-saving pick. Uh, and then how about that how about that play near the end of the game from uh, Jamal Peters too where Calgary's trying to convert a, a second and eight and McManus takes a bad angle on the receiver receiver is able to escape and then Jamal Peters comes just flying in and makes one of those Jamal Peters plays he, he had a few tonight that were just outstanding tackles just all across the board aside from that one blown bomb from McFadden this might have been the best game of the season from the defensive backs yeah, they they play well. There were still some missed tackles out in space, um, and not having Shaq on those plays, you know, really hurts because he is so great at, at coming up and filling. Um, but yeah, they they locked down Calgary. They they did a very good job. The passes that were completed were, you know, were very good low percentage passes um, that they were able to complete. Uh, you know, it was it was enough certainly for a for a victory. There were some miscommunications tonight, uh, Coxy uh, especially. There were a couple, like the, in that first quarter, McLeod, I, I think probably wanting to to pick on a Calgary secondary that was pretty beat up, launched a deep ball for Coxy, and it was incomplete by about a foot, and 
You watch the replay and this Coxy stops for a second. Right as McLeod releases the ball, there's a brief second. It's about a step difference where Coxy pauses his go route to gauge where that ball is thrown. And it, that is completely two guys not having played enough together. Coxy not having had enough reps with McLeod to know exactly he's going to throw the ball exactly here. Because if he runs that through the whole way, that's a touchdown. That's a first quarter touchdown. And this completely changes the game. But he has that brief hesitation. It goes off his fingertips at the eight yard line. And uh, and that wasn't the only one. There were a few there too. There was another play where where and these are read issues, but Coxie was was running a, a a read route. He had a read basically. If the DB drops, he runs a comeback. If the DB sits, then he, he takes it on a go. McLeod saw a comeback, uh, as did I, and Coxie took it deep, and McLeod threw the ball to seemingly nowhere. But it's because he's on a different page than his receiver. And then Javon Leak had another one of those where he's running a flat route. It looked like there was an opportunity to turn it upfield and sort of turn it into a wheel, uh, especially because the defender came and undercut it. But he didn't. He just stayed on his flat route. McLeod led him into the wheel. And again, it lands in the middle of nowhere. And I think from a fan's perspective, it just looks like McLeod doesn't know how to throw. But it's a miscommunication. And and it's like we said before, you got so many moving pieces, new guys in every week. This is going to happen. But it, it just, it's too bad that, <laughs> that in a game that is decided by three points in a game that was so close, you just needed one less miscommunication, one less drop, one less. Yeah, and can we talk about those drops? Like, how about that that drop to Devaris Daniels or the one to Ambles? I don't know which one was worse, but man, those would have been turning points too. That catch, if Devaris catches that that uh, deep dig route. That's at least three points there, but they're going to be deep in Calgary territory that potentially turns into seven. That was a huge play, and the Ambles drop would have converted a second and long. That would have been massive, too. Just they could not catch a break today. No, Daniels has to be better. You know, we, I, I agree. Look, with Coxie and Leak, and, you know, not, a guy's coming in and they don't get the reps, and, you know, they're not reading the game the same way, and that's hard, too. To, to have guys that you you know you don't really know that well and to put that confidence in them and and sometimes guys just never get to the point where they can read the same as the quarterback um, but you know Tavares has been there he knows it he's got to he's got to be the rock you know he's got to be the guy that says like I can I can do this well yeah we have new parts in here but I'm I'm gonna be good for you know five catches and 85 yards guaranteed. And it's just not enough. It's not enough from him. It's not enough from his contract. You know, I don't know offensively, like, what, why he's not more of the focal point or, or what his relationship is with, with MBT. But he, he's got to be, like, he's the one guy who should know this offense inside and out. And, you know, he he should be our Kenny Lawler. He should be our Dunbar. He should be our, you know, our Whitehead. He, you know, you look at those guys and they just get target, 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 and and he's not that guy, and it it's frustrating. And tonight's the night, you know, you look at that drop. That just you can't have it. That drop is just not acceptable from a, a leader of the wide receiver room. You know, it just you can't have it. I don't I don't know why. He's not more central. I still bring it back to him playing the wrong position. He is an X. He's an outside receiver. That is where he's always been at his best. Right. Then put him. Then put him back. I know, and I don't know why they won't. Like I know, Coxie has only played outside. You have. To, you can't put Coxie in the slot. He's just never played that spot at Memphis. He was only ever outside. Uh, he he just hasn't. You know that. That's what you have to do, but uh, that's the problem that, with them being so banged let, up. Let him run that other position, never throw on the ball. Lots of guys never get looked at. Let him let him run that position for for no reason. Uh, you know, I mean, th- they're, they're still going to cover it. They're not going to be like, well, oh, they may as well have today. Like, you know, Coxie ended up with what do you have? One catch? Yeah, I, I think you know, for f- one catch for on, nine let's, yards. Let's, let's put him in. Put him back in his position, and if the other guys can't run it, so be it. Just don't look at them. But they're not going to leave him uncovered. It's not like they're going to triple cover Tavares. You know, I I don't know. I I just I want him to be more, and I, I'm never quite sure who to blame. But let's let's put him back into his spot. 
you know, uh, and see what happens. I would put Ambles in the slot to that side. Like, have Ambles play W, have Daniels play X on the outside. Because he, Ambles has done that before. He was basically that that position for Calgary last year. And he did it for one game earlier this year where he was okay, um, where they had to move a, a few pieces around. But you think about that that drop. That's Daniels running a dig over the middle. He's catching, or he's supposed to be catching the ball right in the middle of the field. And that's just not a, an area that he's used to. It's just very foreign to him to, to be running across the very middle of the field, having a ball come to you from that angle. It's still, it is an excuse because you're still a professional football player. You still need to catch that ball. But it's just not a pass he's seen a lot in his career. And so, yeah, I'm with you. Put put him back at X and have Ambles play W. You've got guys that can play the field side. You can bring Breskison back. But Breskison wasn't starting today. He didn't get a ton of, of field time today. And when he did, he was in there as a tight end. Um, that You know, that's how you can even out that room if you want to. Like, why not have Deveris at X, have Ambles at W? And then on the field side, you can go with Gittins, Banks, and Breskison. Like, I don't, I don't know... I'm not, not I'm not giving up on Coxie. I think Coxie can can be a good player. I really like him at Memphis, but I just don't think this is a game he should have been in and not in that position when it's forcing your best receiver to play out of position. So that was, it was frustrating for me. Let's talk about uh, some of the. I actually, sorry, I was going to get to the the short yardage. We'll get to that in a second. But there was one play I just want to highlight before that. There was a, a gorgeous play at the beginning of the second quarter. It was a beautifully designed play that Coach Dinwiddie had clearly been planning to use probably for some time. It played off all the previous motion that Toronto has showcased this year. Because when the play started and Amble started into his waggle and he started turning inside, I thought, oh, okay, I... I know which package this is out of. I knew it was going to be one of, you know, five or six plays that were being set up. But then suddenly he broke off his motion, headed in the other direction. And my eyes opened because I had not seen the Argos run this play before. And that is the exact reaction that Calgary had too. They were totally expecting one thing. They saw another and all three receivers to that side were wide open. There was a guy wide open in the flats, a guy wide open about 10 yards downfield, and there was a go route wide open down the sideline. And Bethel Thompson, this was, this was I think, his biggest mistake of the night because he saw all three guys wide open, and I think he started to throw it to the middle receiver. I don't remember who it was, but it was about 10, 15 yards deep. He started to throw it, and then at the last second, saw the go route was wide open and tried to kind of change in the middle of his delivery and ended up going to nowhere in particular. And all three guys wide open, that should have been at least a big play, if not a touchdown. And uh, that Dinwiddie must have been ready to snap his clipboard in half because when you design a play like that, it works beautifully like that once. And that was the one time he dialed it up. You you can go back to that play, but it's not going to work like it worked that time. And that was just a, yet another missed opportunity that the Argos offense had had today. Yeah, it was not a good game for uh, for MBT. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was the reason they lost, and, and we've talked about why it was challenging for him to see receivers, but, you know, he's like any quarterback. He, he has hot streaks and cold streaks, and, you know, he got into a bit of a grind in that second half, and I didn't think the offensive coordinator did a great job of trying to get him out of his funk, you know, to kind of get him back into a bit of a schedule, get a couple of completions going. Um, I wasn't crazy about the play calls after the pick six. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I wasn't, it, it wasn't what I wanted to see in terms of trying to get him back into it. And he wasn't feeling it in the second half. You know, he, he is a bit of a streaky quarterback and he, he was definitely off tonight, you know. I I think looking look when you get the ball and you look up and everybody's covered, that's a really terrifying feeling. And uh, I think it, you know, I think it affected him. I think it 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 frustrated him. I think he felt like, well, what what am I supposed to do here? Who who am I supposed to throw this to? And and that's not a good place mentally for a quarterback. 
No, and I, I felt like the second half was probably his worst half of the season. He played well in the first half. He was completing the ball 70% in the first half. He made some really nice decisions. And like we both said already, the, the stall drives, they're, they're not on him. They're, they're the result of being able to not be able to run the football and guys not being able to create separation. But in the second half, he, he played poorly. He just wasn't, the confidence wasn't there. And I think it's like you're saying, he's got these, these difficult routes to complete. Like we'll talk about that pick six. That that play, um, I, I watched that back a couple of times, watching the replay. I don't know what the answer is on that. And again, there's nobody open. You've got two guys that are sort of in the same area, but it seems to have been designed that way. Just in talking to both uh, Coach Dewinney and, and Bethel Thompson after the game, it, it didn't seem like anyone was running the wrong route. It just, there's no space. There's nowhere to throw it. And now he threw a terrible ball, but there was nowhere to go. And he's trying to, I guess he's probably trying to put a little bit more juice on it because there's, if he was going to complete that, maybe there's like a half a foot gap to get that ball into. And so he, he rears back and fires it, ends up overthrowing it terribly. Yeah. You, and that, that's, it gets returned for a pick six. That's a dead giveaway, right? When he's not feeling it, he, he skies the ball. You know, he tries to put a little more gas on it. He's not following through and he, he skies the ball. You can see it. That's, that's like, Red flag number one is like he is not, he's not seeing the he's not seeing the field well, or he is not confident or happy in what he is doing, and and now he's trying to throw some rocket balls, and they they get away from him. You know they really do. He he has a a bad habit. If you look at his interceptions, you know I don't I'd, I'd have to break them down, but it feels from an anecdotal point of view that so many of them are. Uh, you know, skied rocket balls that hit the safety in the hands. Yeah, for sure. And let's get now to the short yardage package, which was generally successful, except I I, I warned, uh, I guess, the Twitterverse what was going to happen if if they kept going to the well. And that's that's what happened. So just to go back, if you haven't yet seen my film piece from this past week, it was on the quarterback sneak and it was on the Chad Kelly package, which we saw debuted last week where Chad Kelly came in on second and one and third and one situations. And they finally ran around the outside when they saw a stacked box from Hamilton. And that's the answer. That's what you do. If, if a team is going to jam up the middle with more guys than you have blocking, then the answer is to go around the outside. And Chad Kelly came in today, Calgary was jamming the middle, and he went around the outside. The first time it, it ran for a big gain, uh, the second time it ran for like three or four yards. The, I wasn't. I didn't think they should run it a third time. They did, and it still got two yards, it still converted. But then as I tweeted, like they can't, the next time it's a, a second and one, they have to run up the middle. You can't keep going to that same well because you're playing against a, a professional football team. They, If they know what you're going to do, it'll get stopped. And they tried to do it a fourth time and Kelly just got hammered for like a three-yard loss. And that was the time you needed to, absolutely needed to go up the middle. And I don't know, I don't know how that's set up. I'm not sure what kind of freedom Jack Kelly has when he's out there. I don't know if it's predetermined by the sideline where they send him in and say, okay, you're running this. Or if he's got a read where he says, okay, if I get this, I'm doing this. I get this, I'm doing this. And he makes a call at the line of scrimmage. But either way, on that fourth one, you, you abs- and even on the third, you've got to go up the middle to keep them honest. Because if you, if you have the defense guessing, then you can go back to the outside again later. But if you never once go up the middle, then they're sitting on it. And he paid the price for it. And that was a, that was a huge huge moment in the game where they they were unable to convert that first down yeah terrible um it was nice to see the short yardage package work and it worked for a touchdown and um it worked for a nice long run and the crowd got all excited for chad kelly and you know i mean i don't know i i i, I like i agree with you i don't know whether he has a read um but it has to. It just has to go up the middle. You have, you have to. First of all, going up the middle shouldn't be a problem. Like everybody goes up the middle. You should be able to convert up the middle. That that's a separate issue. Like you shouldn't be so afraid of up the middle. That should be convertible every time, as it is. Well, especially on that fourth one because they weren't jamming it anymore yeah. because they had run around the outside three straight times. So now there's a gap in the middle, 
and he took and he took her on the outside. Like a, that feels like a read. I I mean, I just can't believe any coach wouldn't feel like oh. They're going to be all over. I mean, if anything, coaches go away from things because they overthink it. Um, I just can't believe any special teams coach or, or offensive coordinator would, would feel like we're just going to keep running this play over and over again and they're never going to adjust to it. Um, I, I, I put that on Kelly because it feels like a rookie mistake, to be honest. It was interesting. Near the end of the third quarter, Toronto's leading 19-10 to 10, and... The fans are booing McLeod Bethel Thompson and cheering Chad Kelly. And everybody everybody that's covering the team coming from Calgary is is like looking around the press box like, well, why, why are the fans booing? Uh, Toronto's winning by, by nine points in the third quarter. Uh, and it just seems, but, but they've got their own situation going on because Mayer comes in in the third quarter for Calgary and they're in a mess now because Bo Levi Mitchell was playing terribly. But Merritt didn't actually play that well. Like he was okay, I, I guess. Like he his completion percentage was high, uh, but he he didn't throw a touchdown. He did throw a really costly interception. Um, you know, he only had 156 yards total. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I think winning for them might have been almost in a way one of the worst things that could have happened because for sure Calgary is now everyone in Calgary is like, well, we definitely got to start Mayor next week over Bo Levi Mitchell. And I'm I'm not sure they should, and you know, you look at the situation with McLeod Bethel Thompson. I think you know people from Calgary watching this game are are like, well, you know, what's what's the problem with what's the problem with McLeod Bethel Thompson? If Calgary had had the play that he's been providing this year, uh, you know, they would have they would have won a couple of those those games that they that they lost at the end because they haven't been getting good quarterback play. And that's generally what McLeod has been providing. So, yeah, for, for teams in other markets, it must be so odd to see booze in a game where you're up by nine in the third. But, of course, it all fell apart shortly after that. Let's talk about that fourth quarter. So the fourth quarter starts. Calgary's uh, down by three, but driving. They end up with a field goal. And now it's tied at 19. Uh, did it seem to you, like I know we asked we asked Deshaun Amos about this after the game, you know, the difference of playing against Mayer when you were preparing for Bo Levi Mitchell, they did, you know, he, he didn't really dwell on it too much, but they did defend him differently. Like I was noticing there that, uh, especially on that last drive on that field goal drive that would end up being the winning field goal for Calgary, there was a lot of three man rush with a spy and it wasn't really working because he had so much time. He's a quicker a quicker guy, and that's, I guess, why they're spying him, but he was able to buy a little bit of time for himself. He did have a key conversion on a run where the spy ended up getting kind of caught in the wash. Uh, I, I'm just not sure it looked like a team that was ready uh, to to play against a more mobile quarterback. No, it, you know, it's been kind of a, a, frust- a frustrating dynamic that they've had to deal with a bunch of times where all of a sudden, you know, somebody completely different comes in with a whole new skill set so that's been that's definitely been a challenge that uh, that the team has faced and then at the very end of the game there's now two and a half minutes left the Argos are facing a third and four from their own 49 they choose to punt I, I asked coach Dinwiddie after the game if he could go back and do it again would he do it differently and he said no he said the defense he felt was playing really well to that point which is true and he felt like they had a timeout as well, that they'd be getting the ball back. And they did, but not with a ton of time. I I go for it in that situation. I, I hate saying it now because it's totally hindsight, but I did tweet it then. I like on third and four near midfield in that stage of the game, I think you have to go for it. And because they ended up getting the ball back on their own 20. So it's not like field position was a, a huge contributor anyway they got the ball back on their own 20 with 50 seconds left no. and so you know what's what, do you, what you are ha- we doing here you have why, to go. why won't you go for yeah, it yeah i know they had a timeout but you have to go you're in the middle of the field you haven't moved the ball the entire second half like the middle of the field is like the best you were able to achieve in in the few successes you had and then you punted from there um to think you know okay we're gonna punt it and then we're gonna pin them and they're going to punt it. And then where are you going to get the ball back? You're going to get the ball back. Best case scenario, you get the ball back in the middle of the field. 
you know, so... And in each of those last two drives, I was pretty surprised we didn't see a bomb because you've got a really inexperienced secondary. It's a couple guys making their first or second starts in the Calgary defensive backfield. Why are you not testing them deep when the game's on the line, I, when the pressure's on? Like, maybe you get a flag. Maybe you get a play that, that breaks wide open. Maybe they don't read the ball properly. These guys are new, and it it, it just didn't make sense to me that they, those plays weren't being called. I, don't, I just don't know how much time they had, you know, in the pocket. Not a lot. It's true. It's but true. They didn't, you, and you we saw that at the very end. Through. You have to go on third down. I mean, you have to have a pass play for third down. I mean, you just have to. There's... there's to to punt there is the wrong decision. I just think objectively, you know, you could, you know, I would defy somebody to walk me through what's going to happen. Where, you know, what what is going to happen here? Okay, you're gonna punt it. You're gonna you're gonna stop them. You're not, you know, like Calgary. You know, to to suggest that you were gonna stop them on, you know, one two and out. That that wasn't the case for most of that second half. They they were able to keep them in check, but it wasn't. It wasn't two and outs, um, and and it wasn't a two and out again. When when they got the ball back, I just I thought it was such a low percentage chance that you get a two and out, and then you get a punt, and then you get a decent return, and then where you know where you're at the forty five. You know it, it it was the wrong decision. I, I I just think there's no there's no two ways about it. It it, it suggested <laughs> an immense. Um, lack of confidence in in the offense and uh you know you got to have a play there you got to have a play for for third and four you know in your on your denny's menu highlighted in yellow third and four for the game these are the three plays we have so yeah, yeah i'm with you on yeah, that I, I, th- I thought that was the wrong call you know i i like i don't mind dinwiddie you know like strategically i think i think he's fine i I disagree with that call, though. I thought that was way too conservative at home. Yeah, agreed. Well, even after all this, the Argos are still in first place in the East, but only just barely hanging on. They've got half a game on the Montreal Alouettes, who took down the Hamilton Tiger Cats by a single point uh, earlier today, and that was that was kind of that was kind of fun to watch. And uh, now they've got back-to-back games once again against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Next one at BMO, Friday, August 25th for a 7.30 start on Friday Night Football. That's going to be a pretty good one. Just a programming note before we sign off. I believe our pregame walkthrough podcast is going to come out, uh, I believe, late Wednesday night. Uh, I'm traveling this week, so we're going to try and make our schedules work so that we can... We can find a time to to record and get that out there. So we will have it. We'll make a note on our Twitter account as to when exactly that's coming out. But expect that probably late Wednesday night. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long. And may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you. (laughs) 